Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed talking this morning about managing your finances through life's situations. Basically, that was a fancy title for we're going to kind of talk about a bunch of random stuff this morning because my my guest today is very good at that, uh, very knowledgeable in a variety of uh, financial topics. So, I'm joined this morning by Peter Mullen with American Consumer Credit Counseling, which is a nonprofit organization. Um, and he's a certified credit counselor and a community educator. Sorry, community education coordinator. Um, <laughs> but but Peter's job basically is to is to give people education on smart financial behaviors uh, uh, yes. and 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 help people get through tough financial situations, uh, et cetera. So Peter's been on the show several times and uh, I appreciate you being here this morning. So thank well, you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to come again. And you were, Peter was just talking about having pictures, uh, our picture taken before we leave. I'm going to take a picture of Peter here <laughs> with all of his documents and notes <laughs> and uh, his his information and all the notes he's taking, et cetera. No, no actually Very these prepared. notes are, are meant for radio, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, I can't. And I have a face for radio too, by the way. So just so people know. Yeah, Peter. And well, I walked in, and Peter's all dressed very professionally with your initials on your shirt there, and yeah, uh, on your dress shirt. And I'm in um, very casual. <laughs> But um, all right, so um, right before the break, we were talking about managing finances through large purchases. Spent a lot of time on on car buying versus leasing, which I don't actually know that we've covered on the show ever with uh, on my show anyway. So uh, that was interesting. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to talk a little bit through uh, just just to take that a little bit further. Not buying versus leasing, but managing finances through large purchases because mm-hmm. I think it's interesting right now. Well, to have that conversation regarding. You know, what when you're making a large purchase, was mm-hmm. it, let's just use home or car, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole discussion of uh, w- what's generally considered better financial behavior, which mm-hmm. is save, 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 pay mm-hmm. cash. Very hard to do, of course, with a piece of real estate, but with with mm-hmm. an with a car, 
um, you know, generally buy something only when you can afford it, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that idea of save, save, save until you can essentially pay cash for it. Um, is generally considered good financial behavior because mm -hmm. then you're not you're not taking on debt, you're not paying interest on debt, etc. Mm -hmm. um, of course, that's very difficult conversation to have with regarding real estate, but we could have a similar conversation, which is save, save, save down payment, and how sizable is that down payment? Of course, the other choice is if if you hadn't saved anything or you've saved very little, take a loan for either mm -hmm. of those large purchases, pay the interest associated with it, pay the loan off. Mm -hmm. um, just sort of generally speaking, when we you know educate young people, for example, mm -hmm. we would you know educate them that um, you know you, you only want to, you know live within your means and only buy something when you can afford it. So mm -hmm. so that save 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 purchase mm -hmm. um, is generally considered the better financial behavior. But mm -hmm. I just think it's interesting to have this discussion right now because save, save, save could take you five years to save for a car, for mm -hmm. example, to pay cash for it. Mm -hmm. Cash, it, saving, you know, putting money in the bank um, earns you zero right now or zero About maybe point, point zero five, five or something. Not even point five, well, probably point, point one or it, point zero five. Extremely small. Very small. And interest rates are very low right mm -hmm. now. So the cost to borrow money, mm -hmm. if you have good credit, yes. um, is pretty inexpensive. Mm -hmm. So I just think the conversation, I just think it was wor worthwhile to have this conversation because mm -hmm. it, it's not as black and white as the best thing to do is save, 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 then purchase. Because five years, well, who knows where interest rates will go on cash, mm -hmm. likely come up a little bit from here, mm -hmm. um, but probably not reverting back to 5% yielding cash that we had, what, 20 years ago, 15, mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Um, and so it is that, I, I guess where I'm going is that I don't necessarily think the best thing to do is save, 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 purchase. I think mm -hmm. that maybe there's some um, there's some happy medium there, right? Like mm -hmm. when it comes to a car or a home, Mm -hmm. saving and, and, and making a down payment mm -hmm. um, to keep your debt reasonable and, mm -hmm. and et cetera. I think that's probably the way to go. Of course, it depends on individual situations, et cetera. But I just wanted to open that up for conversation just because I think yeah. the interest rate environment makes it an interesting mm -hmm. conversation right now. And I do want to talk about down payments on real yeah. estate. Mm -hmm. But what are, your, what are your preliminary thoughts? Well, uh, again, you bring up a, a lot of good stuff. Here, so I'll throw one actually one thing in front of all that you just said. I'm totally in agreement that the the value you gain from saving is about nil. Yeah. So here's actually something I'd throw in before someone actually goes to purchase one of these large things, like like a house or car or even education. Hmm. These things cost a lot of money, mm -hmm. and most people do not have that money in their pocket. Mm -hmm. But here's one of the smart things I think to do prior to all of those is pay down your credit cards first. The reason why yeah. is because if you think of it this way, if I'm gaining less than half a percent on the money I have in the bank, on the one side of my ledger, and on the other side of my ledger, I have two, three, four, or $50,000 in debt paying at 25% interest rate, I'm, I'm losing money out the door. So yeah. to me, the analogy is plug the leak first. Plug the leak. Yeah. Money's going out the door on that side. So plug that leak first, pay that down. Now you're in a much better position to start you know, managing and doing something with your money. Of course. So now back to what you said. I'm totally in agreement that one, one component of anything you want to purchase is saving. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's a discipline that a lot of people don't do or feel they can't do. And a lot of people, let's, let's face it, are impatient. A lot of people want yep. what they want yep. now. I yep. want my house now. Yep. I want my car now. Yep. I want I want Johnny to have an education That's now. That's the American way right, right that there. That is the American yeah. way. Get what you want yeah. and worry about the payment afterwards. Yeah. What I would say if people, I would encourage folks to think longer term. That That is another secret of everything we've talked about today. Even back to leasing and car versus buying. Mm -hmm. If you think just in the short term, 
Your behavior is different than someone who thinks in the longer term. Short term is this immediacy, want, mm -hmm. get what I want, and kind of the hell with the payments. Mm -hmm. The other longer term allows you, so here's the positive side of a longer term. It allows you to evaluate your options more fully. Mm -hmm. It helps you to look at houses more fully. It helps you to think of what the pros and cons are of maybe buying a less than perfect house mm -hmm. and thus getting it cheaper. Mm -hmm. That adds to the fact you're not paying as much. Same thing on cars. I mean, some people desire and want a brand new car, but from a just strictly cost point of view, mm -hmm. the best economic equation is to buy a really, really good used car mm -hmm. because the depreciation of a car, you've heard all those stats, well I have some of those stats that literally, literally when a car, new car gets brought off the lot, it immediately loses somewhere around you know like 10, 10, 10, 10 or 20% yeah. right off the lot yeah. and then there's basic calculuses that they have out there and again I've read a lot of them but I'm going with Ramsey right now okay. Ramsey has some that basically you can see that roughly speaking around 20% per year your cars depreciates mm. so you're paying for a car an asset at its highest amount yeah. of which in 3 or 4 years it's down to maybe 50% let's just say 50% of its value mm -hmm. but you still you now have for you as a leaser, you own nothing. Mm -hmm. For you as a buyer, you at least own an asset that has a 50% value to it. Mm. So again, just just either or, they have pros and cons. But the other things that the time gives you, it allows you to, to see the larger perspective. So whether it be buying for a house or a car or a even education, it provides you more options for you to allow a little bit of time to go by allow you a little more time to research, compare and contrast mm -hmm. the various offers that are out there. Mm -hmm. so, uh, I, so back to this, there is no secret formula, but I do believe it has to have certainly a component of savings. Yeah. So some amount of your skin in the game has to be there. Then we get to that whole thing, and I think this is where you were leading as well, Alyssa, which is there are certain magic points with a house that people may know. Mm -hmm. For instance, getting past the 20% level. Yeah. That's a key thing people need to know because if you put more than 20% down on a house, you've thus taken away a huge amount of risk from the mortgage lender's perspective. Yep. And unless you satisfy them, and don't forget, they own the house and they're the ones with the money, so you can't ignore them. Mm -hmm. um, so therefore, unless you are at that 20% level, they charge you this premium called private mortgage insurance. So it's like a good example of, again, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. If you can put down more, you pay less. Right. If you put down less, you have to pay more. Yeah. It's a kind of a crazy thing. Yeah. And that's true for cars as well. There's another premium on leases people may or may not know. It's called gap insurance. So yeah, therefore, for those yeah. that put down very small down payment on that leased car, the again, the dealer wanting to have his car value covered mm -hmm. because let's just say, hate to say bad stuff, but if your car got totaled that day, mm -hmm. you owe them the full amount of the depreciation amount uh, or whatever yeah. the, the current value of that car is. If you haven't yet paid enough to get up to that market value of that car, the, you have to pay it out of pocket. Oh, okay. So by demanding that you buy gap insurance, you're, you're ensuring that the dealer walks away with 100% back of his value. Yeah, that's part of the lease payment? That's part yeah, of the, okay. it's, it's an additional to the lease payment. Oh, okay. So it's yet yeah, another, another potential cost for a leaser. Yeah. Sometimes I get questions from um, younger clients or potential clients that don't yet own a piece of real estate. And I often get the question of, you know, I'm sa I, I want to save for a down payment on a property. I don't know when I'm going to buy it, you know, somewhere down the road, five years, whatever. Um, how much should I save? And I, it's, it's just, it's such a tough question to answer. And of course, I have the conversation with them about, well, you know, if you are going to buy something now, you know, how much does it cost? What do you like? You know, and of course, we have to factor in what they can afford and, and you pre-qualify for and all that. And of mm -hmm. course, we have the conversation about um, it would be great for you to have at least 20% down mm -hmm. to avoid primary mortgage insurance and, and, and keep your payment lower. Um, 
But beyond that, it's so hard to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and of course I go one step further and, you know, are you putting at least 10 or 15% in your 401k or maybe are you maxing your 401k? Are you adding to a Roth if you can? What's in your savings account, right? So we got to check off all these boxes really mm-hmm. before I'm having them totally focus on save for, for a home unless the mm-hmm. unless the time horizon to purchase is, is very soon, then, then we might have a different plan. Um, but I do struggle with that because I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, well, if you're putting a good amount in your 401k, whether that's maxing or doing your 15% or whatever, if you have some emergency savings, if you're, you know, adding, f- you know, a few hundred bucks a month to a Roth IRA, which I always like to see young people do, mm-hmm. um, then I'm kind of like, well, then you should save what you can save and make that down payment as big as possible to keep your mortgage payment down, right? It's just mm-hmm. so, I, I just I, I struggle with that question because I there's not a number, right? It, of course, it depends on, well, what is real estate cost where you live? And did you look at something and how much is it? And by the way, that's going to appreciate it four mm-hmm. or 5% per year, probably, if not more, like right now, of course. And mm-hmm. um, so I don't know, what do you have, what what things do you touch on when you get that question? Because I kind of, I have to say, I kind of hate that question. <laughs> well, it's just so hard to it's so hard to pinpoint it. And of course it's the same as somebody's like, well, how much money do I need to retire? It's the same answer. It's like, oh, it's so hard to give a number. I can't give a number. Exactly. And and, and yes, I I do get this all the time. I do get these. Somebody want, they want the number. I I get these impossible questions all the time. And And there is no answer. As much as we love numbers, I can't give, I can't really give you a number. Of course you can't. Of course you can. We're back to the, it depends again. So where we started this conversation an hour ago. Gosh, we're so annoying. I, I know it's you know we're real pains in the butt, but you yeah. know I'm sorry, but I have to. The only way I can answer your question yeah. is by asking you a bunch more questions. <laughs> I know it's that's so true. that's all there is, and there's no other way around it. It's like yeah. I, and I remember this one little story, and I don't know. I I, I know that it's true because I remember asking some my father something to this effect. Yeah. Of something like when I was a kid, how tall is a tree? <laughs> <laughs> and I remembered how he like laughed at me, and he said, "I can't answer that." And yeah. I, I was asking a stupid question, but I was like five at the time, yeah. right? But the point I am making is that it, well, it depends, right? Yeah. So let's go back to houses for a second. Okay. Let Let me just say what I might come back to them and say. Certainly, savings is a big component of it. But one of the th- some of the things I try to help them with is this is not an impossible thing. Number one, if you change a little bit of the way you look at it, mm-hmm. for instance, if you are much more open in your searching for mm-hmm. older houses mm-hmm. or smaller houses or slight fixer uppers, and again, that range of fix it up to something that's a total wreck, mm-hmm. there's that range of what we all accept or not accept. First off, get this idea of what you see on HGTV out of your mind. That's people another can't problem. Do it people can't do that's it. That's a problem with 20 somethings. Yeah. I, I see people who are 22, 23 wanting to buy a brand new home with marble countertops. Mm-hmm. That's not uh-huh. real realistic. Don't do marble it, stains. It, it, or whatever it might be. <laughs> Corian, marble, <laughs> slate. I don't know quartz. One. I don't know what the latest du jour it's, is. It's quartz. But, but all, I, all I do know is this. If you, if you and your significant other will be more open-minded, the prospect of buying a house is can be very doable. Yeah. Also, also here's another attitude: don't necessarily think that that house is the end house. That's mm-hmm. the first house. Mm-hmm. That's your entry into the housing world, mm-hmm. of which you trade that one for the next one, for the next one, for the next one. So recognize. That isn't the end all. Yeah. The other things I might say such things as, and I've seen this because I used to run a home buying class, oh. which is you buy it off season. You know, you buy it when people aren't buying it. You yeah. go out in December when no one wants to. No one wants to go out in cold December. Mm-hmm. But that's your best time to buy. Yeah. Buy houses that are listed for many days. Mm. There's that risks in that those. That doesn't happen right now. No. But yeah. I know, but if that ever did, you yeah. sometimes will see one. Uh, fixer-uppers are houses that have an ugly, an ugly uh, what they call curb appeal. Mm-hmm. Again, if you can see past that, use your x-ray vision to see like past the wallpaper, past the ugly things. Mm-hmm. And again, I can give you just a quick story that my I'm happy to say my son and his... Uh, and his uh, significant other did buy a house in Quincy about a half a year ago, mm-hmm. which did look very ugly. It had not, it, the f- people that lived in that house were there since the Roosevelt administration. <laughs> I'm not making that up. They had not moved 
since the 40s. Wow. So this house had some serious updating issues. Yeah. But they bought the house knowing that. They luckily have both a father and both fathers who know a lot about construction. Mm-hmm. I, I was, we were both able to provide a lot of sweat equity, mm-hmm. renovate the kitchen, and uh, put in you know a lot cool. of new stuff yeah. uh, at no cost. Nice. Um, so you, people don't always have that. Yeah. The main point I would say is simply it's a matter of opening your mind to the options that you have. But yes, do you have to have some savings? I'm sorry, but there's probably not much way around that. Yeah. Um, and then try to get to that magic 20% number. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I, I mean, when I get the question from people that are, you know, in their 30s, I guess I would say, then I, then I think the 20% target is good, especially while money is still cheap, mm-hmm. interest rates are still low. Um, I don't have a problem with people taking, you know, a mortgage for 80% of the value of the home. I mm-hmm. guess what if I had the, you know, when I get the question from someone who's older, maybe in their 50s, for example, or older, right, and, and maybe they are moving for whatever reason, they have equity in a home or they have an inheritance or, or they have cash in the bank or whatever. It's kind of like, well, how much do I put down? When someone's mm-hmm. asking me this question and they're on the older side, I, I do kind of just want... I do want the down payment to be as big as possible because, again, they're closer to a period of time in their life when they might stop working, and it would be great if there was no debt mm-hmm. at the time. And so, you know, different answer for for different uh, for people of different ages. But yes. um, yeah, it's just funny. I get that. I get that question a lot when I talk to younger um, people and. And I'm kind of just like, well, it should be as big as it can be, but at least 20% of whatever you're going to buy so that mm-hmm. you can avoid primary mortgage insurance, which is, what is it, a 1% or 2% of the value of the property or something like that it, annually is PMI, mm-hmm. right? It's, There's a percentage. It's private mortgage insurance. Oh, did I? what did I you say? You said primary. Oh. Just just saying. It's private mortgage insurance. Is it really? Yes. Oh. And um, basically, it is um, some percentage, is like like 1% or something like that. Yeah. It's a couple hundred bucks a month. Oh, okay. Added yeah. on to your P... Added uh, on to your pity, as you know, no yeah. pity is is your is your principal interest taxes and insurance. Yeah. But pit, everyone pays pity, and it's very pitiful. We all know that, right? Yeah. But you add on this other P, uh, private mortgage insurance, is another addition that you can do without. Mm. It's pri- It's private, huh? Yes. Can I add one? Actually, one other thing is a caution What's in that? today's world that I just want to emphasize because uh, it is so. I find this so. Uh, What's my word? I'm just so outraged. Outraged. I'm outraged. A lot of folks in trying to buy a house will do this thing where, as we all know, in the house buying process, you're supposed to get it inspected. Yeah. That's for your protection. Your house you should buy knowing fully what you're buying and its condition. Yeah. So one of the ways that some folks, I'm not naming any names here, go and buy a house is by waiving the inspection. Oh, they certainly do it now, yeah. And so all I can say to everybody out there in the out in the radio land, please do not do that. Yeah. It's one of the most risky things to do and yes, you it's possible for you to waive an inspection and be the one who then gets the house, but the amount of risk you are taking on yeah. is so potentially devastating. You you just have to again, it's your choice. Yeah, unless it's a teardown. It's your That's choice. Really the only but um, yeah, you, you never waive the inspection unless you truly, truly are, are a gambler. Or you're tearing it down. Or you're doing a teardown. Then or yes. like a total interior exterior. If, if it's a total teardown, yeah. fine, fine, because yeah. yeah. you're going to tear it down, no problem. Yeah. But if it's a regular house, which you're only looking to do medium to moderate. Uh, changes. If you don't know what's in it, you could absolutely pay thousands and thousands beyond what you expected. Yeah. Um, all right, we have to take a break in a minute. And after after the break, I want to. One of the things we wanted to touch on was managing finances through tough times. Okay. So you had mentioned um, talking about avoiding identity theft and fraud. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of a hot topic, and mm-hmm. I would like to to touch on that um, after the break, and also maybe, you know, debt management and and things like that. So. Okay. Um, and a few other topics under that heading. So let's do that after the break. Um, you're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. I've been joined this morning by Peter Mullen with American Consumer Credit Counseling. He's a community education coordinator and a certified credit counselor. Um, we just we have another minute before they're going to start playing that music. So do you want to give out your contact info, Peter? If anyone has questions for you after the show, sure, I'd be glad to. Um, thank you. Um, yes, again. 
uh, as a free financial counselor, I'm also ready to take emails from anybody who wants to. Mm-hmm. My email uh, at my at my nonprofit is p mullen m u l l e n at consumercredit.com. So I'm ready, willing, and able to take emails from anybody regarding okay. our show today or any financial question. The only thing I don't touch on, and I want to leave this to Alyssa, yes. is, is investment. Yes. Don't be calling me about investing. Call me about investing. I want you to call in Alyssa <laughs> about right. where to get your money. I'm helping you manage what you got. She's helping you make more on what you got. Got it. Not guaranteed, but that's the idea. Um, All right. We're just taking a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. We are back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Happy Saturday, everybody. We are joined this morning by Peter Mullen, who's with American Consumer Credit Counseling. We're talking about a variety of financial topics, managing your finances through life's various situations. We have several more on the list that we, of course, won't get to this morning. But one of the things we wanted to make sure we got to, one of the things I thought uh, we should make sure to get to is avoiding identity theft and fraud. Unfortunately, it's just so common and I can't tell you the amount of people that um, call our office every week and, you know, this scam or that scam or somebody stole their identity and they have to switch bank accounts or, you know, all that stuff. And they're worried about their financial accounts and what can we do to, you know, make sure that those are inaccessible, et cetera. It's just, it's, it's an, it's an awful, awful thing. And, um, just wanted to hear your thoughts on it and, and what people can do to avoid it. I mean, I, you know, the, the advice I can give is, you know, don't give, information, you know, somebody calls you and says they're so-and-so, don't give, you know, don't just trust them and give information over the phone, credit cards or socials or stuff like that, unless you're absolutely sure you're talking to um, someone that needs that information. Don't click on emails that look, that that don't look legitimate. Of course, that's hard to tell these days. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm even sometimes confused by whether an email is legitimate or not. And I look at the, you know, reply to, you know, email address and sometimes it looks legit and it's not. And it's so, so, so hard. So what, you know, what tips can you give people? And you're the one that put this one on the list. So (laughs) what tips can you give beyond that? Well, I can certainly give a lot of ideas again, which is what my job is. My job is to always provide people with options and choices. And it's up to you to do a little bit of the leg leg work to research and pick door A or door B or door C. But let me just tell you some general things to start out about the whole bit of ID theft. Okay. Um, it's it's very, very real. Mm-hmm. And the, the way I kind of look at it as someone who's been in financial services for many, many years, the bottom line is it's, um, I mean, scammers are going to be wherever there's any money, right? Pretty obvious, right? Why, why did John Dillinger rob banks, he used to say? It was because that's where the money is, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same concept. So, like, even with the recent thing that just happened, if some folks who have children know about what's called the Advanced Child Tax Credit. It's the latest scam du jour. Mm. Now, this is something poorly advertised by our government, of which they started just handing out money to people starting July 15th. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of parents had no clue as to why 300 or 600 or 900 even, yeah. is showing up in their checking accounts. Yeah. Well, that's that's our that's a that's a problem of information and so on, but mm-hmm. and 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 marketing. But what? Of course, the jackals and the scammers come out from behind the scenes and find a way to intervene. So how do you uh, kind of help yourself to, to not get scammed? The starting point is for number one, you just have to be educated. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of know what the realities are of, of what's around you. Always ask questions. Don't just take things at face value. Um, for the like, so an example, even in that case there about the advanced child tax credit, and most things having to do with the IRS, start to realize the fact that they will number one never, never call you. So right then, from the get-go, if you're getting calls right then and there, I know it's a scam from the IRS. The, the yeah. IRS and the tax agencies will not call you. They don't have the. They will power, not yeah. send you emails. Yeah. 
So right there, I can wipe out they if send I know you that. physical letter They send you physical, official letterhead yeah. through them, and that's the way they, they communicate. So you have to know a little bit about what they do and what they don't do. Yeah. Another thing on your side as consumers is recognize some of the ways that, you're, that people try to attack you is, number one, through fear. Threaten you against this, threaten you, you're going to lose your money, threaten that this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And people then react more emotionally than rationally. Mm -hmm. Another one is greed. You know, I hate to say it, but a lot of people, hey, when you see some dollar signs hanging out that I might make X amount of money by doing this, people react. They Again, they turn off the rational side and turn on the, the greed side. Helpful nature, the whole bit about communities, charities, uh, the local police, the local fire. They're, they're, of course, using anything and everything at their disposal to get you off your game. And by getting you off your their, your game, you're not thinking of the full thing. So I guess what it comes back to, what's the overall uh, thing for you, is for you to recognize and ask questions. Don't take things at face value. Try to be a little bit more, uh, let a little time go by. So let me give you another example of how you know, you know it's a con when. You know it's a con when someone gives you high-pressure tactics. Hmm. That is not a characteristic of legitimate business. So whenever you have any deal that comes to you that says, oh, you must decide by 5 o'clock today or else this deal goes mm. away. Or you're, I'm in your neighborhood. That sounds like the car salesman uh, it, it, it <laughs> that we were be. talking about earlier in the show. It, it could be. <laughs> well, that's a typical ploy. Uh, when, when you get a thing like we're in your neighborhood doing driveways this week and we can do your driveway, but you've got to decide by 3 o'clock today or forget it. Mm. You know, okay, well then I, I'd say to them, forget it. Because if you're legitimate they will wait. If they're legitimate, they will give you time to think. If they're legitimate, they're not worried about being checked out, right, by being examined. What they don't want is the light of day, mm -hmm. the light of day to show them truly transparently mm. who they are, what they are, are they a legitimate business. Those are the things that I like that whole concept of um, how, uh, how, how the light of day is like the bleach, the bleach of, you know, scams and many other things. Mm. It's when it sees the light of day, will this guy still be doing what he's doing? If they wouldn't be, then chances are it's a scam. So bottom line is for you as consumers, just be well-informed, ask questions, be skeptical, talk to your friends, do a little research before you make decisions. Yeah, and just, you know, don't give out account numbers or socials for or sure. anything over the phone unless you're absolutely sure that the person you're talking to is is a legitimate person or organization. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there are things that we do on our end, of course, to, and you know, and ensure to the best of our ability that, you know, when people are requesting money that we know that, um, it, that that it's the actual client and not someone that just happens to have you know some in, mm -hmm. some of their information and you know we we have practices in place where we don't um, take you know distribution requests or or money requests over email email is just so frequently mm -hmm. hacked we have you know we get verbal authorization and you know and we have practices in place as well and you know there are things that people can do there are, there are legitimate you know credit monitoring. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Agencies, so software. There are things you can sign up for that help you, you know, monitor your credit and mm -hmm. and and make sure there aren't, uh, you know, credit cards being opened in your name that you're unaware of or um, things like that. And I'm and I'm forgetting the name of uh, like a reputable company that does that. Well, um, well maybe uh, if I can just jump in there and say something that's totally free that I would suggest to folks. Yeah. Credit um, reports. No, no, to uh. to run, yeah, to run your credit report yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and just so everyone knows, if you go to annualcreditreport.com, dot com, mm -hmm. and I say this all the time to anybody I work with, it is a free site sanctioned by the government. It's demanded of the companies, the credit companies have to have this. It's a free site, annualcreditreport.com. dot com. The name now is a misnomer because it's available weekly. Even though it says annually, it used to be only available annually for mm. free. It's weekly now? Because of the fact of COVID. COVID has in, has made the government say, this should be a service that's available weekly to hmm. clients. Okay. So to all clients out there, if cool. you ever want to have the, the catch-all of anything that could have happened bad against you or your accounts, mm -hmm. by checking your credit report regularly, 
you will see, unfortunately, this is after the fact, but still, you will still see. So it's one of your ways to know for free if somebody has entered uh, or, or tampered with your accounts or entered stuff that uh, in your name. Yeah. Because as, again, as Alyssa said earlier, it doesn't take an awful lot of information to allow me to pretend to be you. Once I get your date of birth, your social, mm-hmm. your address, and your name, mm-hmm. I, Peter Mullen, mm-hmm. be- can become, become yeah. Alyssa Reed yeah. and do all these things under her name yeah. and open accounts and, and open credit cards. And yeah. she, if she's not paying attention to her reports or accounts or whatever, I can kind of take the money and yeah. run. Yeah. So, yes, you got to be diligent. you got to mm-hmm. watch what's going on. Um, the good news about credit cards, if there's any one small good news, is your liability is no more than $50. Mm. So if yeah. you do get ripped off you and they hit you for $2,000 to go on vacation in Bermuda or something, your, your liability is only 50 Okay. Um, and my husband, Kirk, was just messaging me that um, the that uh, website that w- where I, I'm fairly certain is reputable in terms of helping people um, uh, ensure that their identity isn't stolen. It's called LifeLock. I have no affiliation with them, but I, I, I feel that they're a pretty reputable organization. And you can just sign up for like an annual membership and they help you monitor your credit and they help notify you if something looks uh, fraudulent or looks like, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you maybe you, there was a credit card transaction maybe that was... Uh, in a different state or on something that you don't normally buy or something like that and they can alert you and it just kind of helps you Mm -hmm. monitor um, your credit and your activity and and alerts you to certain things. So for what it's worth for for people that have had um, or think that their identity has been stolen, that's at least something to look into or something similar. I know that there's other other, uh, options options for helping you track that but I know other than just like you know my husband is really good about you know logging into the bank account and the credit cards and just making you know looking transaction by transaction to make sure things look legitimate and you know every once in a while he'll kind of ask me he's like I'm not questioning where you're spending your money I just want (laughs) to know if that was you or if if we should be worried about it yeah that's very (laughs) legitimate and that's a very good thing let me let me give folks just another tip that's out there now while you're on that if you see things like for instance um, like on your typically on your uh, like your checking account if you see something hit for like a nickel or a penny that's fishing that's a test that's a test someone's out there testing to see so that would be a sure sign to be aware so as as you or your husband are checking <coughs> mm-hmm. oh, the normal things 25 for this 30 for that 50 for that 100 for that yeah, yeah. Is five dollars for my coffee but ah! all of a sudden this this 17 cent thing shows up oh, from some strange source yeah more than likely that's someone fishing because now that they've entered your account they could whack you for something much and they, bigger they see if it goes undetected exactly. and then they go for something larger exactly oh interesting yeah okay um anything else on that well, I would just say one last thing, and your, your husband's right, there are all kinds of sources, both free and not for free, mm-hmm. that will check your credit. So that's all great to know. Let me just mention a few more free ones that I would okay. like to suggest, and that is simply this one, identitytheft.gov. Okay. It's a very good source of where anything and everything you'd ever want to know about identity theft is on there, including, and sometimes I use this for material in my classes, there's a whole list of the latest and greatest scams. Interesting. Dozens and dozens and dozens. You can see what's the latest scam du jour. You can go on there and find that, so it's good. Plus, if ever you were attacked by identity theft, all the forms you need to report it to the government, to get it fixed, to help you get your money back, all of that is there in one place for free. Um, so yes, by all means, I would suggest people hmm. think about that as as a great source. Interesting. Thank you. I was not aware mm-hmm. of this. Identitytheft.gov. You can report Correct. a report an identity theft. Okay. Correct. Yep. All right. Um, I did actually wonder where people reported identity theft. I wasn't sure if it was the local PD or what. I was thinking it, they can't do probably can't do a whole lot. Well. But. Well, technically speaking, you are supposed to do a couple things. Yeah. It's almost like the way I look at it is like, you know how if you get in a small fender bender yeah. with a car, well, you're supposed to do this thing of swap your papers, yeah. get out of the car, look at each other, you know, that whole thing. And then, 
you know, get mad at the dude and all that. Mm-hmm. But then, but apart from that, you are technically supposed to call the police. There's a reason for that. Not that it's a big deal, yeah. but it puts it on the record yeah. that the local police knows at 1032, yeah. you had an accident with Betty Smith. So now that's on the record. So later on, when you go to file reports, the insurance companies many times will check as a point of validity uh, right, with the right. local police to, to sure know that's real. Because yeah. you know, I hate to tell you this. Insurance fraud is an insurance, actual thing. <laughs> insurance fraud is out there too. Yes. yes, there are some people out there that pretend they were hit and then try to collect off their insurance company. So yes, yet again, th- th- there's even scams in scams. So, yeah. <laughs> I actually, so be aware. I'm actually feeling like I might have been actually scammed today. I, my kids were, I, I hate, I hate video games, right? My kids, I, they got onto my computer and they play this game, Roblox. Have you heard? I don't know. The kids play this computer game or whatever. And now I have all this malware on my computer. I get all these pop-ups. And so I downloaded one of those malware scanners. Of course, I don't know which one's legitimate. And I go, you know, the, the free scan doesn't work. So you got to up buy the upgrade. And it's asking me for a license key. I bought oh. the upgrade. I don't have a license key. And it's like, and it's still not working. And I'm like, oh, I think I was actually scammed today for $43. I think um, you were. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> someone call in with what is a reputable malware scanner, please. That's not going to steal my money and not fix my computer. Or better yet, if my kids would just leave my Kaspersky's computer alone. Kaspersky's pretty good. What is it called? Kaspersky. K-A-S-P-E-R-S-K-Y. Oh, I'll have to check My parents have it on theirs. It does. Viruses, malware. Kaspersky. 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 K-A-S-P. Yeah, because I'm not sure this one I have is going to be working. All right. Thanks, Tim. You're welcome. Um, all right, we have 10, 12 minutes, Peter. Um, is there anything else? Well, okay, un- actually, under the heading of managing finances through tough times, right? We're talking about fraud and stuff and, and, and identity theft and things you can do to vo- avoid that. How about, like, you know, debt management? I know you work with a lot of people on debt management. And, right. Um, um, you know, when I get uh, calls or when I have discussions with people that have debt in... Uh, I guess I would call it like higher interest rate debt, credit card debt, and th- and things like that. You know, I'm I'm generally not as concerned with mortgages and car loans and things like that. But um, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on 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 debt management in general. Mm-hmm. My general thought is when someone has credit card debt, for example, being a higher interest rate debt. I'm kind of like, do whatever you can to get rid of it. You're just mm-hmm. going to be drowning in interest, especially if the debt is sizable. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the the, in, the interest alone on a sizable amount of credit card debt can just can right. just drown people. So mm-hmm. I kind of just like, do whatever you can to get rid of it. You'll feel better. You can move on with other financial goals. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have really high interest rates cards, cards 18, 20%, whack those down. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do believe in picking off the higher interest rate debts mm-hmm. first. I know some yep. people have different thoughts about that, but I think that's a good plan. So that's just sort of my general guidance is mm-hmm. suck it up, cut back wherever you need to cut back and just get rid of it because yep. you're, you're just going to keep drowning. But what, mm-hmm. are, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, again, you're, you're exactly right. And actually, there's a term for that. I don't know if you know, but in my industry, there is. Um, there's different approaches to paying off debt. Mm-hmm. So, again, I don't make up the names. I'm just reporting them. Mm-hmm. What they often call it is avalanche. If you, if, you, if you approach all the debt, you have three credit cards, mm-hmm. one with A, B, and C, one with 25% interest, one with 20, and mm-hmm. one with 15, mm-hmm. right? The avalanche method says, look, put all your chips, all your money yeah. toward the biggest 25% yeah. and get rid of that baby first. Yeah. It's eating the most of your money away, right. like I had said earlier, yeah. when it makes no sense for you to take the 10000 you just got and put it into a savings account right. when you are paying 25% yeah. on the other end. Yeah. Get rid of the debt first. Mm-hmm. The next type of thing is called snowball, which is just a more of a psychological approach, yeah. which simply get says, rid get rid of the small ones. Yeah. So if you have A, B, and C, and A only has 500 in debt, but it's not a high interest rate, it's psychologically, yeah. which we can't deny. We it's said emotionally earlier, satisfying. There's an emotional yeah. part of yeah. this whole strange financial world, yeah. which is if I get rid of credit card A's debt of 500, there's a sense of checkbox, checkbox yeah. of success. Yeah. And then here's what you do, Bo. Here's the second part of it. Take the money you were putting on A and now move that back over to B and pay B or C much more aggressively. And this is, again, where people often do not follow through. To, to save money from that kind of action, you got to then utilize the money smartly yeah. someplace else. Mm-hmm. Don't go out and buy a TV with it. Right. Go out, go take that 
200 that you were paying, now max it into something else. And before you know it, mm-hmm. A, B, and C are all gone. Mm-hmm. That's the great thing. Mm-hmm. The last thing, which is funny, and I'll throw this out just to end up the, the triplet here, is snow is um, snowflake. I've, I haven't heard these so, terms. I'm so I'm giving the, you the yeah. third one, which is snowflake, which is what we call found money. Ma- mainly when you have money show up in your life, which we don't all have, but yeah. if you get a birthday, an anniversary, uh, you hit the lottery for 100 bucks, a hundred bucks. A bonus, an inheritance. A bone, yep. exactly. Yep. Money that you didn't count on in your m- regular budgeting mm-hmm. or money management mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. 500 shows up for whatever reason. That's called snowflake. And again, hmm. to use that wisely into your whole credit debt issues mm-hmm. is often a good win for you. Yeah. If you use it, yeah. if you spend it, you're no further ahead. So do we want to do that? Of course not. Yeah. If your grandmother sends you 200 bucks for your birthday, what do we all want to do? Well, I want to go out and celebrate, go out to eat or have spend, buy a new dress. Okay, yeah. great. But you haven't really gained within the debt world what you could have gained. Yeah. So I like avalanche approach, pay down the highest interest it's, rate debt first. But yeah, I get that. It's, it's, your, it's your choice. Everybody, what they see that small one and it's smaller because <laughs> the interest is lower, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and everyone sees that small one and they're like, can I just get rid of it? And sometimes I'm like, fine, just get rid of it. It's, it'll feel good. But I think from a financial perspective, it does make sense to pick off the higher, send all your resources toward the higher interest rate ones first. Yeah. And, and I agree. And hopefully yeah. you do flip it the other way so that mm-hmm. going forward, I'm not saying not to have a credit card. I'm saying simply to use it wisely yeah. and obviously try to use your lower interest rate cards first yeah. without the fees. So again, there's more to it than there's interest. Does this guy have annual fees? Does this guy have hidden costs? Mm-hmm. So that's back to you as a consumer. Are you fully knowledgeable of what the card's conditions are? When it comes to your credit score, okay. is there any consideration? Do either of those help you more? Because I know like, so for example, what did you call it? The snowball, which was pay off the smaller balances That's first. Correct. It feels better. Yep. I'm wondering if, does that actually help credit score? Because no, okay. No, no. There's no credit um, score related issues no. to how you approach the, the, it. The, okay. the, the credit world, when they are examining your indebtedness, yeah. they aren't thinking about how many cards you have. Okay. You have it's just two, total two outstanding. Or two or yeah. ten. They're looking at total outstanding debt. How you spread it across your cards is your choice. Okay. How they look at it is in totality. Yeah. So they look at you overall and say, you have a full limit of. $10,000 across all your cards. You have a full usage of yeah. $2,000 against the 10. You're at a 20% utilization rate. Okay. Now, where the credit world gives you points and values you on this is if you are 30% usage or less. Mm-hmm. So your mission as a consumer, should you decide to accept it, <laughs> is to try to get your, number one, your debt overall below 30 but obviously, the closer to zero, yeah. the better. Right. Though, so the, there's two things that raise your debt the most. I mean, ra- raise, sorry, your, credit raise your credit score the most. The number one is paying your, your debts on time. Yeah. That is absolutely the first and foremost. So I'm not talking amount yet. Pay on time. The second one is then how much debt you're carrying. So therefore, the more aggressive you can pay on that, the better. The more you can lower your debt the better. So the lower debt ratio you have is the second biggest evaluator of your credit capability. So what does help your credit though, when we're talking about like if someone has multiple cards, for example, if they choose to pay off the small one, what does help your credit though, is if you keep it open. Absolutely. When you pay off that card, keep the line open. People might want to close it. Like I'm not just going to close it. I don't want to use the card again. I want to get into trouble. But it helps your credit to keep it open because that helps that ratio you were just so great. you're, you're yeah. exactly right again and let me give everybody a little secret don't don't tell the credit cards this but I'm gonna give you all just a little little secret uh-huh. and that is this it is to everyone's advantage to keep one or two let's just say one older card that has a zero balance to it right 
So let's pretend that card is three, four, five, six years old. By all means, here's how you play the game. Here's how you play the game against credit companies. You keep that five-year-old card open with a zero balance. Mm -hmm. But here's how you keep it open. You got to go to that card. Let's pretend it's a Lowe's card for a second, because that's where I go. I don't go buy clothes and stuff like that. But let's just say it's a Lowe's card. You go and pay and buy a screwdriver once in the year. Buy it, pay it off. You've then utilized the card once. So it's considered, quote, active. Okay. They will, the creditor has the right, and it's in the small print that nobody reads, to close your card through lack of activity. I just, they just told me that at Kohl's the other day. Well, and they will do that because they see you as, hey, you're not bringing me in any money. You're yeah. a deadbeat. Yeah. I ain't going to get, I'm going to let you keep this card because you're not bringing any money into us. Yeah. When we're all sitting around the big mahogany table thinking about how much money we're pulling in, I happen to know that Peter Mullen is not paying money on this card, so he's shut off. So the way I play the game back is to just eat that card, use that card once or twice a year, something small, pay it off, and the card is, quote, alive. Think of it like on life support. Now, here's the third thing. This goes with the third thing of credit. It's the age of your credit. Okay. So if I keep paying on time, which I said is number one, keep my debt low, number two, and keep an old card alive, Hmm. that's number three. And you have to do the care and feeding of doing a small transaction once per year, Mm -hmm. twice per year, Mm -hmm. and that older card gets older and older and older, but it's a sign of wisdom in the credit world, Mm. and therefore they give you points for that too. Okay. So is it 12 months of inactivity and they would generally close it, it, or 24 months? It depends on the card, but each card, it's typically a year okay and so i would say do a care and feeding at least once a year (laughs) maybe twice (laughs) yeah exactly you have some interesting buy a a new scarf for yourself yeah buy yourself some new uh i don't know a little bit of a gym equipment yeah and but you're doing the right thing okay then pay it right off forget about it put it on your calendar yeah next next august go back and buy something again okay Reward, what? reward right, yourself. Right, right. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay, we've just got a couple minutes, so um, let's just give out your contact info again and mine as well. So um, you've been listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. I'm a financial advisor. You can find more uh, find out more about me at McNamaraFinancial.com. My um, guest this morning. Always a pleasure to chat to and a wealth of information. Uh, Peter Mullen with American Consumer Credit Counseling. Um, He's a certified credit counselor and a community education coordinator. And he can be reached at pmullen at consumercredit.com, which is P, as in Peter, M-U-L-L-E-N at consumercredit.com. Um, you were mentioning your free webinar. So is there information on your website regarding that? I think the answer is no because I clicked around and I didn't see it. it but so, it, so just email you for what, info. What I yeah. would say to folks is I do a webinar twice a month. My next one's coming up on Wednesday, the 25th. It's on leasing versus buying a yeah. car. I would say just contact me directly and I'll give okay. you the info. And you need um, your marketing team to get that up on the website, Peter. Well, that's Go. We're, we're, we're getting there. We're All getting right. there. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, that music means it's time to go. Thanks for listening, everybody. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I hope everybody stays well and healthy and uh, enjoy the weekend. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.